We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Next Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Edition of Knicks Fan TV, Ash, we got a real one with us, man. He's an NBA champion, NBA All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year, four-time All-Defense, and he played for these New York Knicks during the 2013-2014 season under the Mike Woodson Knicks tape era, Queensbridge finest in the building, Meta World Peace. Meta, how you doing today, man? Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Everything's good. You forgot the um, 13 All-NBA. Ooh. Thirteen All NBA. Put some respect on his name. Thirteen All NBA. Absolutely, <laughs> man. Appreciate you. Thank you for having. Thank you for joining us. Um, let, let's kick it off with, with these Knicks. You know they they're surpassing expectations far and away. Right now, battling for the playoffs, seventh AC right now at twenty six and twenty seven. What's been your your overall impressions of the team this year? You know, I'm a Knicks fan, right from New York City, Queens, and wanted to be a Nick. Um, I remember, you know, when I was uh, trying out for the Knicks coming out of the draft, I actually missed my first workout because I got drunk the night before. Um, so I was—I think I would have been a Nick, but uh, I know for a fact as I was going for my training, I couldn't make it out the bed. <laughs> I went to Flamingos. Flamingos in the city, and that was the thing. It was like, you know, everybody for for years and years and years, we've been down on the Knicks because they passed you and took Frederick Vice. But you might have had a hand in that, man. You, you no, missed the workout. Uh, I definitely had a hand in that. Um, but you know, I think it was I think it was a good choice because I would have, I definitely would have been with my whole hood. Like every game, I would have had my hood and you know um, the. the the goons and the G's, they all would have been with me every game. So if that's the case, I get it. You know, I wasn't as corporate um, <laughs> as I am now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask, bro. Like, did you feel like you would have been able to handle New York as a rookie as opposed to, you know, coming here later on in, in your career, you know, with everybody I mean, so close to home? Would been, um, I would have been working hard because, you know, I went to St. John's because it's New York City. So 
I, did, I went to St. John's specifically because it's New York, you know? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to win a title. And when I get into grind mode, I grind like, even when I was at St. John's, you'd catch me in Brooklyn in a, in a hood shooting, catch me in um, Queensbridge, raining by myself, shooting. When it's time to put that work in, there was nothing stopping me. And I, and I was playing basketball, so, you know, I still would have been in the hoods, like, chilling with all the Gs, but... I, when it when it comes time to put that work in, put in. when I'm on the court, not, I never allowed anyone to talk to me. It didn't even matter how gangster you was. When I'm on the court, do not talk to me. Mm. Don't come next to me. And it didn't matter who it was. And that's the work that I was putting in. So, but when I finished working, it's like, yo, all right, cool. Time let's to turn get, up. Let's get it in. Um, and I played everywhere. Gun Hill. I got championships in Gun Hill in the Bronx. I got championships in Gershwin, Brooklyn, Soul in the Hole, West Forth, um, Elm Core, everywhere. <laughs> Watson. <Yeah. laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like that New York. But I, I'm really, like for me, I got a different perspective on New York City. Like this is personal. And I tell people all the time when I talk about the Knicks, it's personal. Um, because I'm such a proud New Yorker and, and then being where we're from, you know, it's like basketball was an escape. Everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's different. I, I got a different perspective of the Knicks, and they don't have nothing to do with, you know, the owners, mm. the, the front office. It's the blood. Yeah. It's the fabric you know, where you came from. Out on the court in New York City. People really got shot up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's different. You know what I'm saying? When I'm talking about New York, and I take it too personal. Even when I got to New York, the Knicks, I wanted to win a championship so bad. And when I was there, I remember I had a big argument with uh, J.R. Smith one time, um, but I was it was so personal, and that's probably a good reason why I'm not. It's a good reason why I probably was never a Nick, because I must like I still to this day want to see a championship. Like it's personal. Yeah. What What but was the? I get so passionate about New York. It's yeah, that, that's why we here Knicks fan TV, man, and happy to have you here, man. Just Knicks fans talking Knicks. When, when you got to the team in 2013, at what 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 was that day like? You know, who called you and and how did you decide that you were going to sign? It wasn't the welcome that I wanted because, like, being from New York City, you know, I was supposed to be a Nick. I went to St. John's, like, stay loyal to the city. So it wasn't what I really wanted, like. You know, I wasn't as big, and I was older, and I was hurt at that time. I was still hurt. I had meniscus tear, mm. um, and I was getting my knee drained, like, every week. Yeah. It's horrible. But um, at the same time, it was the best feeling ever, and I always wanted to go to the game from my hood. So that day, um, my first game, I, I was in the projects, Queens was on Nas Block, mm-hmm. and I went to one of my boys' crib and just took a nap um, there, and we got on the train couple people from the hood went right from the hood to the game on 34th street things I, I always wanted to do that and i always wanted to go to the game in game seven on a train right from the hood with all the g's and just go to the game and win the title and go back to the hood and drink some honey on the block <laughs> like this is a dream of mine yeah you know this is uh, i'm sorry corporate new york but this was a dream yeah though. With that being said, I want to see New York win, and True. Um, I want to see other teams win too, like the Pacers, and I do want to see the Lakers win again. I love the Lakers, mm. um, teams I've played for, like the Sacramento Kings, but I really do want to see the Knicks win. Like I really do want to see them win the title, and I want the fans like have patience that 
you know, we know we all know Dolan running the show, right? So when we put so much pressure, you have one bad season or ten bad games, like I'm a basketball player. Patience, patience, fans, patience. If we have three bad seasons in a row, patience. Let's be easy, like, because we, we want the superstars to come to New York. You can't keep yeah. forcing them out of New York City. Not patience. Yeah, so. that, that's a fact, man. That is definitely a fact. On the present-day yeah. team, you know, they're at the top of the league in defense. That was your calling card, your forte. They don't really have guys that would be known as, as lockdown defenders, but as a team, they certainly defend well. What do you feel like are some of those key elements to, to playing team defense that make that's making them successful this season? Well, the rules change in the NBA over the last couple of years. So it's a little bit easier to hide your uh, inability to guard individually. And you see that more and more often. That's why people was arguing with Draymond saying you're not one of the best defenders ever, just because the rules change. When we played, you had to be locked down individually. Um, now with the Knicks, they're big and strong. They're not seven footers, but they're all they're, they're tall and big and strong for this day and age in, the, in today's NBA. So with that being said, if you're athletic and you just follow the coach's instructions, you can literally be a lockdown team in defense. And if you push the ball like the Knicks do, you know, you're, the best offense is the best defense too, vice versa. So the Knicks is just primed to be a really good team. I'm really happy with what they're doing. You heard it here first. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears, hopefully the basketball gods heard that because yeah. I need a win and I need it bad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. We all need it. <laughs> and so let's let's talk uh, Julius. Let's get into yeah, Julius. Yeah, so listen, you're no stranger to Julius Randle. You have a little bit of history with him going back in 2016. He got a new hairdo. It's the Travis Scott meets the Emmanuel quickly, if you will. But hair aside, what is the biggest difference you've noticed in him from when you played with him to what you're seeing now, the all-star version of Julius Randle? Julius is my, my brother. I ain't going to call him my little brother because he a man now with a baby and a wife. So he, he's my brother. And I remember when I first got with him with the Lakers, um, I remember him just moving too fast. <laughs> and I remember him being, we played one-on-one like multiple times when I was towards the end of my career. And it was mostly like teaching sessions. I love Julius. And I, I think um, we, had, we had sessions at night too. Sometimes we'd just get to the gym at night and just work. And my thing was, um, I actually learned a lot from Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson towards the end of my career. And then when I was about 32, I learned some things from Pau Gasol. But before that, I learned some things from Larry Bird and Chuck Person. So when I started to train people, given just it's not my stuff, it's just things I've learned and picked up. So one of the things with Julius was attack space um, and train like you play. Play like you train, you know? Be patient. Use your footwork. And I see him doing some stuff now. It just makes me so happy. And I see him in his <laughs> seven threes. I'm just like, this is insane. And he's an all-star. I'm just like, I'm just so happy for him. It was interesting because Julius, you know, the version that Nick Scott last season is complete night and day from the version that they have now. And he said in his Players' Tribune article that he wrote that he took it personal that he wasn't the Randall that the Knicks fans, the franchise was hoping for, and he was just happy to have the second opportunity to reintroduce himself, to give them a new first impression. Has that character always been part of Julius Randall's or striving constantly to being the best and then taking it personal when he isn't? 
Yeah, I think Julius was. What, what number pick was he? Like top five, right? I believe he was seven. He was either that, four I think or seven. seven or eight, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really high pick. So a lot of pressure sometimes. And sometimes you got to get coming to your own. So when Julius was dominated in high school, it wasn't uh, demanded of him, you know, to be fundamentally sound. Right. So when he gets into the NBA, it's different. Um, you got to actually win and understand how to manipulate five other people, five defenders and four offensive players on how to win, right? So that just takes time. And even when he first got to the Knicks, he was still in the transition. Mm-hmm. He was still in transition from uh, being a better player. He wasn't there yet. He's still not there yet. He got so much upside. Oh, so we're only beginning to see. Listen, I am the captain of the Julius Randle Express. I have been since day one, STP. I have been Julius Randle's biggest advocate. So are you saying that we're only beginning to see signs of life from Julius Randle, that there's more to come? Oh, there's so much more to come. because I'm now excited. You got to think about it. Like he's, he's already physically ready. He's been physically ready. Uh, uh, mentally, um, from a standpoint of understanding how to win, that's just catching up. So now you're going to see, there's going to be a lot of things that happen. You're going to see a better Julius, uh, a, a winning Julius, and then you're going to see other players wanting to come to New York to play with Julius. Nice. And he's a pass guy. He passes the ball. Now he can shoot. I mean, why would you not want to play with Julius Randle, you know? True, true story. Ash, before we get in the field, let me just hit that reset. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for your squad. CP the Franchise, Ashley Moss. We got Meta World Peace in the building. Throw a hashtag MWP in the chat to salute Meta. And we're going to take some calls from the fans as well. So make sure you guys call in too. The number is 657-383-1509. 657-383-1509. All right, Ash. So the fans want me to ask. We have to ask. If we're going to talk Judas Randall, we also have to talk R.J. Barrett. I am also a big R.J. fan. I call him the nine God. <laughs> Are you at all surprised at – I think one of the things that I love so much about R.J. is he has this ability to get out of his own way mentally. We saw it in the game in the overtime win that we just came off of. You know, he did not have a good first half. He was just not the R.J. that we're used to seeing. He didn't score until the last few seconds of the second quarter before halftime. And then he just turned on the Jets in the second yeah. half and then in overtime. Is that an impressive character trait to have in such a young player? He's only 20 years old. To just not focus on what's going on in the game in totality, but just focus on how you can get better each and every play during that game. Yeah, I mean, RJ was a superstar in college and high pick and uh, and learning the game. He's, he had some really good games. I think RJ... He's like the opposite of Julius, right? He's not as physical as Julius when Julius came in. But in terms of the pace, his pace is amazing. He got a veteran pace. So with that type of pace, sometimes he he, he might have to speed it up a notch or he just might have to get more comfortable. Um, Because, you know, he has good games and he has some games that's not great games, right? But his his mental focus is there. He's reliable. And, you know, that's why the Knicks is playing well, because you have a guy who the Knicks, uh, for the most part, almost building a franchise around, and he's reliable mentally. So even if he's having a bad game, you know, physically, or how it looks from the outside in, it might be a great game for him, because maybe he did a grill, maybe he did, maybe he um, screened every single time perfectly. Yeah. Maybe he boxed out. Maybe he passed to the open man. 
it's those type of things that you know you, you don't it doesn't really show up you know in a box score so you can't really measure you know the effect that he's having and then also being a cheerleader you know encouraging your teammates like so many things add up you know when you're especially at that level and that's what Tibbs just said. He said, you know, even when he has bad games, he still impacts the game in, in a, a variety of ways, whether that's passing, rebounding, you know, being a good cheerleader, being a leader at 20 years old. And and you said something very important, and that's the mental toughness. And that's what I see from RJ even at a young 20 years old and Julius in year two. Because, like we said, as you said, patience, right? The fans ran out of patience with Julius even last year, his first year with the team, because he struggled a lot on the Fisdale. But I felt like that kind of made him stronger, toughened him up. And this year, he's he's having an all-star season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all-star season, you know. And uh, I think, you know, um, Fisdale, I'm not sure the ins and outs of that. Yeah. Obviously, they have a different coach now. And, and you know what? Julius is a, a better this year. But um, So, you know, Fisdale, I think he tried hard. I, I don't know his style. Um, I, I definitely wish I was head coach in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know coaching is your passion as well. We're going to talk about X versus X in a bit. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, you know, they, they're in the final stretch. They're trying to grind it out. They've lost a couple of tough games, bounced back and won uh, with RJ Soroks against the Grizzlies in overtime. From a coaching standpoint, what would you? how would you get them through this tough stretch as they push for the playoffs? You know, I think, you know, not, it's what, 30 teams in the NBA. Not everybody's the best. It's just, that, it's just that simple. So sometimes, you know, as a fan, people are like, man, you're losing or you lost, but mm. you're, not, uh, you're not the Nets. You're not the Lakers. You are who you are. So it is what it is. And at this point, I would just advise them to have a great time, play the best you can play, and that is it. Do not worry about anything else because – if you're not one of the best teams, the numbers don't lie, man. You know, the numbers don't the, the numbers say you are who you are. So with that being said, enjoy it. Do as best as you can in your slot. And you know, and if destiny says you, you're going to win a title, do it. If destiny says you're going to lose in the second round, it, it is what it is. Do your best and have a great time. And you spoke about patience, which is something Knicks fans do not have a lot of, and you can understand why, but there's this, you know, disconnect. Some fans want the Knicks to tank and try to get the best picks possible and worry about next season. And other Knicks fans like myself say, listen, we don't tank in New York. That's not part of our pedigree. But we do to go out there and play. Do you think that it's better, even if it's a low seed and, you you know, you get – you know, wiped out the first round of the playoffs. Do you think that experience, especially for a team with so many young players on it, is priceless and it just makes you hungrier to want to do better the following seasons? Or do you feel like, you know, you can't try to get into the playoffs and, and jump the gun, especially when you're not fully ready? What is the better path to go? No tanking. You don't need to tank, you know. Um, now, I'm not in the front office, but I, I'm just saying build, <laughs> win, and, I mean, this is New York City, so, you know, you can tank and then you're going to have a rookie who don't know what they're doing, then you're going to have to tank again. Exactly. <laughs> and you're going to be tanking all the time for the next five years, and then then while the other team is building chemistry, you're trying to get players to come play on your team, but guess what? You're in New York City, and New York is a lot of pressure. So you have to, you know, encourage veterans to come into a situation that they say, oh, wow, I know New York, I know there's a lot of pressure in New York, but well, that's a really good team. I'm, I'm going to New York. Yeah. Right? And the New York, New York, the Knicks, they can pay anybody. So 
there's no there's no real need to tank for for to be for for being uh, no 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 real need to uh, for the Knicks to tank. And you speak about veterans, and we have a vet in Derrick Rose and also in Taj Gibson on the mm-hmm. court. Can you just speak about what that means, especially as a young player, having that presence of somebody who's been there before, who knows the ins and outs of the league? How priceless is that for a team that's trying to build and create a culture like the Knicks are? Um, I think it's, I think it's great. And Derrick Rose is the ultimate. I'm so proud of him after his injuries. Um, and he's right where he should be. He's an amazing player. And then when Taj, Taj has been a really amazing um, role model and, and a great player. He's been a really great player and an re- amazing role model. And when you have that type of cast, you want to build on that. You want to, you know, you want Taj and Derek to feel like they might have a shot to get to the playoffs. And then you want the young guys seeing, you know, when you smell blood, how you go after it. Right, you don't want the young guys seeing a veteran. Okay, we're tanking, and then a veteran just getting ready for vacation. Because then <laughs> it's gonna be in a mind to just get ready for vacation in April. This is always when we get ready for vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I play, even if I didn't make the playoffs, I went. I practiced until it was Game Seven or the last game in the finals. That's when I took my vacation after everybody else, and it's just trying to develop a. And I only got one ring. All that for one ring. That's not even. I don't even have two rings. Hey, um, put in, hey, one still something. Yeah, you, you, you put in the work, man. You definitely put in the work. So, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for your squad. We got Meta World Peace live. Throw a hashtag MWP in the chat to salute Queensbridge Finest. If you're from Queensbridge, throw a hashtag Queensbridge in the chat yeah. as well. Let them know that you're in here. Uh, Meta, you, you spoke about the championship. Oh, let's, shout out, let's shout out Far Rock. Oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead with your shout outs. Go ahead, bro. Hamels, Far Rock, okay, seventy one fifteen Beast Channel. I, I grew up in Far Rock too, in the, in the hood. Shout out there, shout out to Ravenswood. You know, Dave East, we represent, we living in Ravenswood a little bit, chilling out there. Shout out to that hood, mm-hmm. Astoria Projects. You already know. Shout out to AQ, Braveswood, Queenswood, huh? You said what? Braveswood, Ravenswood, AQ. Where else? Where else I've been at? Anywhere else? Any mm-hmm. other hood I've been at? 119th and 2nd, the 5th unit, all that. All right, cool. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And you got some uh, some people sending greetings from Germany as well, Meta. So we, we worldwide in the chat right now, man. Salute to everybody. I'm seeing a couple Far Rockaways in the chat as well. So yes, salute sir. to everybody out in Far Rock. Um, mm-hmm. on, the, on the championship 2010, you took the, the Celtics to, to seven tough games in which you hit a, a pivotal shot late in game seven that would ultimately win it for you. You you spoke about in the beginning of this interview how you know you used to put in that work in, in Queensbridge outside on the courts. Was that a shot? Was that a moment that you practiced and envisioned when you were putting in work in, in your younger days? Man, that was yeah, that was incredible. Um, the, the crazy thing about that shot, I hit that same shot against Duke in the Garden. Um, <laughs> to take it to overtime. St. John's Duke matchups were classic at MSG, man. Classic matchup. Um, I hit that shot a couple times, you know, in the wing. Um, but it was always something about just hitting a big shot. And when I was in the finals, I knew we was up three and, you know, a minute left. And I'm just like, just go for it, man. Take the shot. And at that time, and, and then, you know, it was really, it flowed well because Kobe just passed it and I just jabbed and shot it. Like, didn't even think twice about it. 
Um, and that's the work. When you put in the work, you you should not be thinking twice about it. Even if that shot would have bricked over the rim, <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to do? Brick air ball. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it, but it did. It happened. But but when you practice so much, if you if you practice to be successful, then you know more than likely you know you'll be you'll be successful. It was a, it was a simple shot, but you know, it, it was the typical um, closeout as your man is closing out. And, and your opponent's momentum is coming towards you. You go towards your opponent, make him pause, pull back and shoot. Hard is really hard to block. Um, even when you know you take one dribble towards someone, once you see their back foot get off the ground and go, you just go. Once you see their back foot go off the ground and go back, you pull up. There's no way they can block it, right? So it was like this, those fundamentals. It was a real simple, simple move, but you know, executed well. I was taught that move by Chuck Person, by the way. The, the rifleman, Chuck Person. So mm-hmm. salute to him. And, you know, based on, on your career arc, where you had started not getting a shot at your hometown team, you go to Chicago, you go to Indiana, you have Miles at the Palace, you request a trade to Sacramento. I mean, did you even envision that this day, that day would happen, that you would actually have a chance to win a championship? No, I thought it was over. Because I was supposed to, I mean, after the brawl, I met with uh, R.I.P. Mr. Sterner. Uh, <clears throat> we didn't think my career was going to last <laughs> any wow. year. He said, you know, this is your last shot. Um, mm. I was on eggshells for a long time. I was on eggshells yeah. for a long time. Um, and, you know, when you make mistakes, when you don't treat the basketball guards right, normally they, they don't treat you right. But I think I did treat the basketball guards right for the most part. I, I gave them my all. Um, I, I gave back to my community. Although, from a corporate standpoint, you know, I was very detrimental. Um, but from a community standpoint, I, I, I did show my face in my neighborhood a lot. Um, so I guess that counts for something. I think the basketball guards did see that. Um, and they put me in an opportunity in 2010. And that was a blessing because I didn't think I deserved it. That's why the first thing I did was shout out the Pacers when I was on the podium. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, the only time LeBron didn't make an All-Star game was when I made it in you know, Indiana. I was, I was a hell of a player, and I wore yeah, number 23. Good, good seasons with Indiana, man. Yeah. And, I mean, playing with one of the greatest, if not the greatest, in Kobe Bryant, that has to, you know, just push you to even want to be greater, just being surrounded by that. I, um, I knew that. It was destiny. Absolutely. You're right, actually. Because, like, I mean, playing with Kobe was amazing. And I, play, I just played against Kobe prior, the prior season, the previous season. And I was going to work, you know, so so I always wanted to be great. But then you're playing with Kobe, you're playing with Powell, a young Andrew Bynum, who he would have been great. Um, Lamar Odom, who's arguably great. You know, all these great people around you, you just want to show up, right? So it's it, it just a blessing. And then and, and, uh, actually the Cavs was number one that year, so they lost to Boston. So I mean, that could have been a great finals, you know, LeBron yeah. versus Kobe. And, yeah. Meta in his prime. That would have been nice. <laughs> well, what's your favorite was... Kobe story? Huh? What's your favorite Kobe story? Me, um, my favorite, my, my favorite Kobe story probably. See, the, the thing with Kobe was, um, <clears throat> me and Kobe personally, mm-hmm. I caught him in 2009, 10 when he was focused. So it wasn't a lot of fun things going on. It was work. <laughs> Uh, 
then 2011, 2010, 2011, that was a really serious season. Like, it was work. Um, not, not much playing around. So, you know, Kobe up in the morning, 530, working, just going to work, you know. Um, and But then towards the end of the career, get some dinner, get some drinks. That was fun. I'm, I'm so happy we had a chance to do that. Because the only time I got dinner and drinks with Kobe was, like, towards the end of the, his season, like yeah. his last season, literally. Cause me and Kobe very similar. Like we didn't do much. Right? We didn't hit each other up. Nothing. We just come to the gym. I want to go at him. He, you know, he, he, he don't. He want to go at everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that was it. You know what I'm saying? We work, and I had my serious mug on. He had his serious mug on, and we was on the same team a lot. But it was very serious. Like, and, and I missed that. And we was and we had lots of conversations. Stations where we just understand, mm-hmm. understood each other. Mutual understanding. Yeah. Mutual understanding. Like, let's go to work. And Derek, actually, everybody was like that, but, you know, I mean, I had a different connection, but that's Kobe Bryant, right? So you, you're next to Kobe every day. It's just a different thought going through your head. This guy is great. You know, this guy is just great. I'm, I'm not really be missing a lot. Yeah, sure. definitely. Rest, rest in peace, rest in Mamba. Peace never, there will never be another, that's for sure. Um, well, you can't talk about greatness in the Lakers without talking about Phil Jackson. And obviously, Phil Jackson has had a lot of success in coaching. He did it with the Bulls, coaching the great Michael Jordan. Then he did it with the Lakers, with the great Kobe Bryant, and all of you guys on that team. Then he goes to New York, and Knicks fans are elated. This is supposed to be the savior, the messiah. He is going to bring us back to relevancy and make us a championship team. Obviously, he wasn't coaching. Um, he said his health would not allow him to do so, but you still had him in the building, and that was enough for Knicks fans. It did not turn out the way that we had anticipated. Obviously, the Porzingis situation also did not work out. Were you surprised at all? And then also we talk about the Mellow situation, but were you surprised at all about his time in New York and how it ended the way that it did? Um, I was happy. I mean, the last two titles we got in New York City, was with Phil Jackson. <laughs> so that was 71 and 73. 73, yeah. yeah. You know, so that was the last two titles, and and I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> and, you know, Pedro, you know, thank you to those guys. And But with that being said, the triangle takes about two years. It, it, he, If it was me, I would have I done the triangle, and I would have innovated I'm definitely going to run the triangle when I get my job. So if any teams out there expecting anything different, don't hire me because <laughs> triangle is going to work. But you got you to gotta use pieces of the triangle. You can't use the full triangle at all times. And you got to start at high. Any coach that wants to do the triangle, it works. It just you have to run pieces of it. Sometimes you got to move that postman out of the post, put that postman in a different spot. Put him on the elbow, or put him, uh, put him on the top where uh, the Spurs and the Warriors put him. Yeah. You know, and get into it, uh, and, and take the first option versus just getting into the triangle. Some, you know, the triangle was introduced, and we just want to get into it. The Knicks fans want to see it. You know, well, you might see it. Maybe you won't see it today. It just depends on the flow of the game. You know, so but the triangle from a, from a, everyone uses the triangle. Yeah. They use the angles. They use the cuts. They use the positioning, the spacing. 
You know, a lot of these coaches came up under Phil Jackson winning titles. So you got to believe they learned something from them. Do you think that coaches should adjust their playing style? Obviously, as a coach, you have proven offenses that work. You have proven defenses that work. And sometimes if it's not broken, don't fix it. That's how I feel. But then do you think that also you have to take into account that sometimes you have players like Melo, like Porzingis, like other guys who just cannot flourish in the type of game plan that has proven to work with other teams. Do you think that coaches should be a little bit more lenient in adjusting their playing style based on the players that they have in their hands? Well, you have to. You have to if you want to win. So for the triangle, for example, you got Porzingis. Well, Porzingis likes to come down and shoot sometimes, or he might want to set a screen and roll and, you know, or catch it on the block. So, you know, you have to eliminate some parts of your scheme. You know, some, some parts of your beliefs might have to be eliminated or start somewhere else, and you could always get back to one of those schemes that you feel is best for the team because the triangle is best for the team. Right, so if you have one, if you have two or three players that want something different, well, you know, you go. That's where you go and practice, and you figure out what's going to work, you know, for these players, and then you just stick with it. Um, you 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 can't, you know, try you know fit a circle into a square. Yeah. Right. So that's where you got to make some adjustments, but that you can easily do that with the triangle. Yeah. And why do you think that it's easier for some coaches? You look at Coach Spo down in Miami, who I'm a big fan of. You look at Coach Pop. They are excellent at making adjustments. Going into a game with a game plan, it's not working, let's adjust. And then you look at Coach Tibbs, who has been criticized for being stubborn in a sense that he likes to go in with a game plan and he wants that game plan to work despite what's unfolding on the court in front of him. Why do you think that some coaches have an easier time making adjustments than others? Well, sometimes as a coach, you want to make an adjustment, but sometimes you don't, you don't have to make adjustments. You know, sometimes uh, as well as a lot of things and variables that could uh, weigh in on this. One could be you want to keep your players out there and continue to develop them. So who cares what the other team is doing for the future? Um, but then the other is, if the, if the other team goes small, why do I have to go small? Mm. I don't have to, right? Um, especially if you're having a good season and if you're hitting your ceiling, then you can make an adjustment that can send you backwards versus where the Knicks fans might want to see you win a game, but you're not going to win that game anyway, <laughs> you know? Um, so he, he's taking all that into consideration. If he feels like that's his climax, then why change? Just keep improving. You know, and it's hard It's hard to see that as a fan because you want to win every single game, and I get it. Um, but I think it, it, it's hard to see because I'm not sitting in his seat, but I know me personally, I'm going to play bigs. I'm going after 7-foot, 6'10", 6'11". I want four of those big guys on my team, you know, and I'm going big. And then we're going to have the standard small forward. I'm not playing small ball. I'm playing standard basketball, and I'm not going to adjust if a team is small. No way in the world. Um, you know, I, I love standard basketball. So, but in this day and age, you see everybody going small with the six nine center. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then if somebody, if the other team brings in a six six center, then the other team subs in a six six center. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't really make sense to me. You know, so but you know, with Coach Tibbs, it's just hard to say. But if I was thinking, if I was in his shoes, I I, I got a good idea on probably why he's not adjusting. 
Coach Meta throwing his philosophy out there for people in the <laughs> chat. You better be listening, man. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for your squad. CP Ashley Moss, special guest Meta World Peace in the building, live and direct. Throw a hashtag NWP in the chat to salute Meta. We're going to take a couple calls in a second. Um, Meta, you know, as we ran through the resume earlier, you know, championship, all-star, defensive player of the year, all-NBA, multiple-time all-defense, any regrets? Any outside of outside of you know the the Knicks situation? Any other regrets in your career that that you wish you could have gotten over? I mean, the the, the biggest one I have is like when I that incident with James Harden. Like that one is like one I regret out of more than more than anything, honestly. Because it wasn't like I meant to hit James. It was like somebody touched me, and I was like, get the, you know, get get the hell off me. But you know how how it played out was like not something I was proud of. If I could take back anything, it would probably be that and only that. The only because, like, you know, um, at that point, I was making so much progress, you know. Um, I was making so much progress uh, with being emotionally stable in the court. Um, but other than that, now nah, everything else is like, it is what it is. And, and did you, you spoke to James after that, right? Are, are you all good on, on that situation? We actually, we actually played ball um, in the summertime. We didn't talk about that incident, though. <laughs> you know, we didn't talk about. But he actually invited me to play. Like I, I was just shooting on UCLA one, and I was shooting on one side of the court, just getting some shots up. Mm-hmm. And he was with his clique. He invited me to play open run. He was that's like, dope. "Come and play." I was like, "Oh, that's dope." I really like James. You know, I really like James. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I didn't even realize that was James behind me. Yeah, so so unfortunate. It was very unfortunate. It's very yeah. unfortunate. I'm happy that he's okay. And James is now a member of the Nets, Ash, as we yeah. know. You know, so they got a big three of ring chases. But go ahead, go ahead, Ash. James Harden, he got- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Out of Houston, and now he's where he wants to be, reunited with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. And you look across the league, and there is this constant conversation on stacking teams. And I feel like it has gotten a lot more prevalent than it has ever before. I look at teams, you know, in the Kobe Bryant era. Yes, you had teams with superstars on it, but you also had supporting players who necessarily didn't have you know, the bright lights on them. And it was a, a team in the true yeah. sense. Everybody now was trying to team up. Net, well, now it's a bunch of superstars joining forces in the hopes of getting a championship. How do you feel about the concept of stacking teams? Is it just the way that modern basketball 
looks now or is it detrimental to what a championship truly means in the sense of a word? Everybody's done it. Everybody's done it. It's just that people, other te- what happens is the other fans hate on a team. So if the Nets stack their team, then you got 29 other teams, fans saying, this is BS. I can't believe you stacked it. Even, but when the Celtics stacked it with Bird, Parrish, Mikhail, we don't talk about that. When the Bulls stacked it with Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, um, you know, Horace Grant, um, uh, who else? Tony Kukoc, who was an all-star yeah, overseas. Kukoc. He had 60 points overseas. When we stacked it with Powell, Kobe, Lamar Odom, and we, the reason it don't look as stacked because we played a role. Yeah. Metal World Peace, Defensive Player of the Year. You know, multi-defensive player. We stacked the, we, we stacked the table. We stacked the table. And the only ones that did, the only true champion, and this is no disrespect to anyone, Matthew, the only true championships I really see over the last couple of years, the Detroit Pistons won. Yeah, big time. That was a real big time. championship. Mm-hmm. That team, because that team was like, nobody was superstars. Yeah. They became superstars. The first Golden State Warrior team, even though they was all first picks, but that team became superstars. Yeah. They were not yeah. superstars, right? Even though Curry was a Curry is an amazing yeah. player. But they just became they built that team back. up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think, though, that when LeBron decided to take his talents to South Beach, that it just completely elevated what a super team looks like? And do you think there should be limits to how many all-stars, how many superstars can be on one team? Because you look at the Nets last night. Kevin Durant was on the court. Obviously, Kyrie got ejected. They played a team, a Lakers team, without LeBron and Anthony Davis and still lost. So that also pours into the question, can you just throw chemistry together and hope that it works? Well, that, t- that game was interesting because everybody didn't play. But in terms of super teams, I love it because it eliminates politics. A lot of times in the NBA, people don't get picked because they don't have the right agent. Hmm. Or they might not have a relationship. So when you, when you stack a super team, you need good players. That's it. You know? And if you, don't, if, if you, if you are bringing in your people and they're not, like, good players, then, you know, we have an issue. You know what I mean? So I, I like super teams because it forces the other organizations to pick the best player and do the right thing. Mm. You know, pick whoever deserves that spot. Um, so I keep encouraging super teams, and, and super teams help the other players, help them get better. You know, you have, let's just say Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins got to go up against the Lakers. Like, do you want to win? Right? If you do, you got to go through the Lakers. You got to go through the Nets. You know, and it ups ups the level of everything. So I'm a big fan of super teams. I'm also, I also respect like Damian Lillard, like Damian Lillard. Yeah. Damian. Dame loyal, man. He's loyal. But do you, do you think though players like that get a bad rep? Because you look at Bradley Beal, you look at Russell Westbrook, you know, Stephen A. Smith had a lot to say about him. You have guys who are staying loyal to their franchises and these smaller markets, if you will. They're not jumping ship in hopes of getting an easy ring. Not that any rings are easy, but put that in quotations. So do you think that you can't play – it's either one side or the other. You can't play the oh. middle. Either you re- respect guys for staying true or you don't, you know, make fun of them or, you know, chastise them, rather, for trying to win a ring. Well, I think, like, in some situations, if, if you're – let's say you're – it's just 
30 max contracts going out a year or whatever the case may be. If you're LeBron James, not probably not now, but in his prime, every team is waiting for you to get that max contract. So some of these max contract players don't really have a lot of max teams to go to, right? So they, they're going to be where they're at. Mm-hmm. Right? They're going to get their $300 million, Take that back. The two options that they have to get $300 million. Versus like Kevin Durant, but right now would be Tatum. He might have 10 options to get $300 million. So you can't really, you know, uh, I, I don't really see it as guys staying, staying loyal to a team. I see it as, you know, you was offered, you got $300 million. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, you would True. <laughs> True story. You know, they, um, now you can leave, but why would you leave when someone just gave you three hundred million? Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, the some of these small markets, people just don't want to go. You know, they they want they rather come to L.A. or the Palm Trees, or they rather be in Miami, <laughs> or you're somewhere else. So it's like it's like a lot of variables. It's, it's 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 like no perfect situation. I mean, yeah, we would love to see a super team in Portland, a super team in Indiana, or a super team like in um, New Orleans or Utah, but it's hard to do that in, the, in these cities. Yeah. Easier to do it in Houston or the other, other cities. Well, give credit to the Jazz, man. Seems like they're doing it right now. Number one seed in the West, you know, building that's a real the draft. That's, that's a team that – see, that, those, those type of teams I love. I love yeah. the Jazz because, like, out of nowhere, right? Yeah. It's, like not a super, it's not a super team. Big time. Big time. Big <laughs> time. Very good team. Yeah, man. So let's take some, some calls from, from the fans. We'll tell everybody in the chat once again. Hit that thumbs up button for your squad. We got Meta World Peace live and direct. Throw a hashtag NWP in the chat to salute Meta. Our first caller up, we're going to go with Angel from Philly. Angel, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, PP? How y'all guys doing? Good. How you doing, man? Hey. I'm doing good. Hey, Meta World Peace, man. I just want to say it's an honor, man. I'm I'm so happy that, you know, you're supporting the next, man. So I definitely got to show you love. So definitely hit that thumbs up for your boys, y'all. But um, listen, I got two questions, man. I just want to know, um, granted that a lot of players don't get to win a championship, but what was it like to be on that floor with Kobe for Game 7? And what went through your mind when you actually won? Because obviously you played a big part of that team as well. So what was it like? Just being, I mean, being on the floor for Game 7 was amazing. I mean, it was um, an experience. It was it was a dream. It was uh, – I wasn't used to it, something I always wanted. And uh, and being there with Kobe was amazing. I don't, I don't see it like that because I was in the game and I was, like, super focused and, like, in killer mode. But – when I look at it from the outside in, it was like it was like historic. Like you know, people were saying, "This is history." I ain't even re- I ain't look at it like that. I looked at it as I gotta get this ring or mm-hmm. nothing, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing with Kobe, I'm just like his sidekick. Like I'm just focused in on okay, what does Kobe Bryant want me to do? I'm not focused on his aura, with the exception of Game Five when he had 25 straight points from the third to the fourth. He had all of our points. Nobody scored but Kobe. 25. And I was like, wow. Like, that was that was the first moment where I was, like, looking at him. I was like, does he have wings? Like, I'm looking at his feet. Is he hovering? I was like, I mean, this is unbelievable. Like, how do you how do you have all the points for us? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That mama mentality was different. Black, Black Bob was a beast, boy. Black Bob was a beast. All right, next call up. We got Max mm-hmm. from Arkansas in the building. Max, how you doing? Hey, what's up, CP? How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. 
Hey, man, salute to uh, Metal World Peace, man. It is an honor that you're here with us, gracing uh, your presence. You know, you could be doing anything else in the world, and you're here with us, especially this Knicks, uh, this Knicks fan that we got going you. on over there. Um, you're welcome, man. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, like, you know, CP and Ash, they hit, they hit the question I wanted to ask, so I kind of, like, Switched up, you know. I, w- I want to ask uh, like a, a really good question. I wanted to see, like, to pick your brain on this. Uh, uh, I, you know, because like I'm looking at the college kids now that, that's coming into the league, and a lot of them, you know, are are dealing with the same thing you was dealing with when you was coming out of the city. And I want to see, like, like I want want to ask, like, uh, what what advice can you give them? Uh, as far as dealing with all all the hardship and you know coming out of a, a bad uh, environment? You know, um, I would say um, it, it's it's a lot of different, like, variables. You know, obviously everybody's so different. And I always like to relate to that player like myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it that, you know, they want you to come up in here, be professional, and, you know, people like, I got I to put people say, coaches, I got a lot of great guys on my team. Man, I know ballers that wasn't great guys. Man, I played with ballers that was just like you would think of them as gangster and not great. And that's where I learned the game from. And I love them. You know what I'm saying? So that's who I relate to. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm I have like a crossover brand. I really like people and all people. But you know, from that standpoint, from a basketball player trying to make it, like you don't. It's like when you know DMX situation, like. You need to get out the streets, and basketball is an opportunity where you don't have to sell drugs. You know, you don't have to rob and steal um, to eat. So I know people are currently growing up like that, like how I did. And right before I went to college in St. John's, my brother was 10 years in jail for drug trafficking. Like, cool, I needed him by me. So then I had to go with other hustlers and people in the neighborhood to be by me. You understand? So with that being said, then you learn, you pick up different things. So with, with that being said, when you have the opportunity to make it, and now I'm going now I'm to tell you the reality of the situation. When you have an opportunity to make it, take advantage of it. Mm. When you make it, it's not that you change, you made it. Mm. When I made it, I didn't know I made it. I was still in the hood doing, doing a lot of uh, stuff. <laughs> it took me a while to adjust. You know what I'm saying? So when you make it, like you made it, like you're blessed. And it's, it's hard to see that you're blessed. You feel like I made it and I still got to grind. I still got to be grinding, depending on who you are. You know, like chill out, you know, uh, take your family out to dinner, call your moms, like, yo, you made it. Everything good. You know, uh, but it's hard. It's easy. It's easier to say because I'm 41. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cool. So it's easier to say. Who who were some of your your mentors or those people that helped you you know get through that you know and help you adjust it to to that process? Mistakes, <laughs> Phil. Mistakes helped me adjust. Just making mistakes. That's it. I mean, I did have mentors. Like I, it was employers, but the, when they were helping me, I wasn't really listening. Mm. So not listening caused more mistakes, and then the mistakes like okay, how many more mistakes do you? make like get it together buddy um you know and, and and with that you know i started to really tap into what i wanted to be as a child i had to really dig deep like who were you as a child when you were six remember that time bro oh yeah i do remember 
I like love everything. <laughs> you know, I want to be a math major, architect major. Like, all right, cool, get back to that, get back to that, get back to that. You know, and it took me a while, but mostly mistakes. Experience is uh, which, the best teacher. Yeah, it's not a great teacher, but it's the best teacher. <laughs> interesting, interesting. All right, last caller. We're going to go um to the West Coast. My guy, Pow, out, out in L.A. Pow, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. What's good, CP, Ash, Metal World Peace, man. Thanks for taking the time to answer our questions here as fans. And I was one of those guys that, you, I mean, I'm, I emigrated here. Um, I, I emigrated to New York in, like, 98. And I've been watching the Knicks like through Betamax and VHS recordings of my uncle came. So I was really excited. And I was one of those dudes that really wanted you to be a Nick man. So I just wanted to say um, that's something I'll look forward to. But you weren't really that far away from the city because I want to talk to you a little bit about 2002 EBC finals between <laughs> Death Jam and Rough Riders. We all were like down at the halftime, but y'all still took it. It was you, whole lot of games, Starberry, Zach. Prime objective, you know, BD and J.O. Was, was there. You know, he was against um, Steve Burt, a.k.a. All Day and his son, you know, Skips and Malou. Can you just talk a little bit about that, man? Because that, to me, was like the purest form of hoop. You know, can you just talk a little bit about the energy in the city at that time and what it was like um, competing and winning the championship, you know? But, yeah, man, thanks for thanks for taking our call, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love New York so much. Um, um I got my name, True Warrior. True I got Warrior. that name from, you know, from the Rucker. Um, but um, Kingdom, you know, when I heard about Kingdom and Grand's Tomb playing on Wednesdays, 2,000, 3,000 people out. I played in Kingdom. Um, that Rucker wasn't the only one, but Rucker was amazing. EBC was amazing. Um, and it was a different energy. I, we caught it at the tail end. At the yeah. tail end, we still had people in the trees. We still had people yeah. on the bridge. Still had people on top of the buildings across the street. And that was a golden era. Um, and literally, it just, like, died down. Once corporate got involved, it was like, ugh. Once corporate got involved, it literally yeah. killed the thing. How do you how, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> so, but... Yeah. So, so was it was it the NBA that that stopping the players from playing on the blacktop? Because even like I used to go up to Dykeman recently. You know, Kemba played a little bit here and there. Jr. has played a little bit, but as you said, nowhere near what what EBC was when Greg Marius was running it. Is it the league yeah. or is it the players decided not to? It's, I, I don't. I don't honestly. I don't really know. It's just like they just stopped playing. It's not even the players because you know the EBC never depended on NBA players. Who can yeah. care about it? It was it was New York City streetball players. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the New York City streetball players were the stars. Ali Moe, um, Booger Smith, you know, A Butter, um, Terminator, <laughs> the Escalator. Like, these were the stars. It wasn't the NBA yeah, Jackson, brother, Escalade. Escalade. Um, Predator. Mm-hmm. Predator. You know, these were guys that were superstars and, and, um, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how. I don't know how they, they just destroyed it. And then, um, and these were guys that helped me get better. Cause I was playing against these guys since I was 15, 16 years old playing in the NBC. You know, um, so it was a golden era of New York City basketball. I think gentrification had a lot to do with it. You said what, Ash? That it was golden it was. era. Yeah. Oh, when gentrification came, I remember one time I was in the city, and I saw them putting sidewalks in the street. 
And I, I'm like, oh, boy, this is Europe coming to America. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying that. I'm sorry, Europe. I, I'm sorry, Europe. I, I was like, I remember. I said, it's over. And literally, when they started to do that and then gentrification, they started to tell people in these neighborhoods, turn the music down. Mm. How are you going to tell us, because you're rich and you move in our neighborhoods, to turn the music down and call the police and people getting arrested? So gentrification, like, killed streetball, single-handedly killed streetball. How are you going to tell us we can't play 145th um, Tri-State? Classic. I played in there, too. And they took the music. Can't play music in New York City? That's how when people say, like, this is on a deeper level with Nick fans, especially if you ain't from the hood. But that's why when they say it's my hood, it's not your hood. You might be the bully, but it's not your hood. Yeah. Turn the music up. I bet police come. <laughs> Put it to the test. Put it to the test. When, when we think of ours, it's like, you know, we come here, we live here, we migrate here, whether you're Latino or black. I'm speaking from a black perspective. We come here from Africa off that boat. It's not your hood. It's not our hood. They told us to turn the music down. And if we turn it up, we're going to get arrested. You know, people don't understand that. A basketball player will be have handcuffs. And they did that because, you know, a lot of our culture, um, and this is, I don't mean to get political, but they find ways to dismantle the culture. Mm. And basketball was a huge part of what we do. Because basketball, we go home, we get, we get out the house. You know, you might have domestic violence in your house, which I had. I need to get out. I need to go uptown. I need to go to Brooklyn and play basketball just to escape. Yeah. And, they just, and they say, no, you can't play music, you can't play basketball, the parks is closed at 9 p.m. because um, we're afraid that someone's going to shoot. Well, let them shoot, man, I'm trying to play basketball, I don't really care. You know, I don't, I don't really care, don't shut the park, don't put the 9 o'clock sign. And when yeah. you put the 9 p.m. sign, what happens? Go, go, out, go out at 10 o'clock if you want. You don't get arrested. You're not even a dealer, you're not even a hustler, you just want to play basketball. You understand? You understand? So on a deeper level... You know, that's why I always tell people it's more personal. There's a lot of things personal when you talk about like basketball and me. It's all personal. What? Well, yeah. Um, that's a that's a perfect personal. segue because as you talk about you know preserving the game and 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 helping people through the game and and preaching ownership, you have X versus X Sports. So tell the people about X versus X Sports and and how they can get involved. Yeah, X versus X Sports, but it was built from frustration, honestly. Um, I remember my last couple of years in the league, I was playing, I was coaching, I was like mentoring Julius and a lot of the guys. I still wanted to play and I wanted to do 20 years and it was over. My career was over 18 years in the NBA. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to travel the world and play basketball. So I developed an app. Um, my son on Geronimo test was a basketball scholarship uh, major, I mean, basketball scholarship at UC Irvine. Um, he's also a computer science developer, also develops computers and video games. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to develop an app and travel to Croatia. I, I would want to play in Croatia, Serbia, and different parts of Europe. And then I would just invite people to come play me in games. And then there was a lot of different technical things was going on, so I kind of pushed back. Then the Lakers called me back for two more years. So then I put, I put this project on a hold. So then when I officially retired, then the next year I went to go coach. I was still doing the project and coaching the G League. And then I had to stop coaching G League because – when you're doing tech, it literally takes all your time. And I, and, I, and I sacrificed three years of my personal business for something I love, which is the NBA, which I'm very grateful for. So then I got back to it. Now, when you look at it now, xwaysexsports.com, you can download the app. 
set up games, and when you set up games, invite your friends to play, um, follow the process, input the score, and then you get on the leaderboard. Um, and then when you get on the leaderboard, we look at that and we invite you to games. So it's not only for pros. We have co-ed basketball. We do a lot of co-ed. We do a lot of women's basketball, and we do men's basketball, um, and all equally. You know, and I'm proud. I'm proud to say that we really focus on women's basketball, even though um, not all the time women's basketball is not always going to bring in the most sales. But it depends on how you market it and how you and, and how you uh, attack it. It can be very fun and successful. So Xverse X Sports is a platform where you just come on, sign up, create a game, or join a game, finish the game, input the score. And then you just become on a leaderboard. Now, if you're from New York and you go to Miami and play a game, you just keep tagging on your stats. Nice. You know, you literally do it anywhere in America. So you you will have a professional experience um, on our app. That's really that's literally what it is um, for recreational players to have that professional uh, um, experience. And we're going to continue to build on the app, and we're going to continue to do a, a lot of fun things. So far. Uh, you never know who's going to show up. We're in L.A. right now, so if you're in New York, use it. But so far, we had Ryan Garcia came to a game, the boxer, um, Chris Staples. Uh, we had Max is Nice. We had uh, Rome Flynn, the actor, comes alive. You just never know who's going to come to play. And for a minute, Chris Copeland. Co- you and Copeland is Chris out there Copeland. bowling out there. Yeah. Mamadou. Uh, it's been fun. You know, that's it. It's just basketball, man. There's nothing else to it. <laughs> is there an age limit on it? Can you go ahead and do it if you're a young basketball player, maybe like a young teen in middle school or even like the AAU kids who want to go ahead and – I know kids out these days don't like to go outside and play. They're too busy making right. TikToks. But for the group <laughs> that does like to go out and yeah. still play, is there an age limit to that? It's perfect for that group because that group – when you come onto our app and you play, you're playing against men or even older women. Our, our co-ed games are amazing. For a young 11-year-old boy to play in our co-ed games, you, you're going to play against a girl who is nice. So you're going to get better. So this is perfect for any child um, that want to play ball. Definitely sign up to the app and find just go find games to play. If you can't find a game, create a game. Remember, this is community building. This is trust. This is relationship. This is loyalty. So some people get on the app and they think they're going to just find a game. It's not that easy because people don't know you. <laughs> so you got to build your trust. You got to post videos on your profile. Um, uh, you got to, you know, post photos. Who, who are you? Some people come on the app. They don't post a photo and they're like, I want to play. I'm like, Nobody even know who you are. You know, and they're not, they're not going to pick you to play a game. They don't know who you are. So, you know, it's, it's very engaging, but it's strictly for basketball, strictly for basketball. And without giving too much away or on what your future plans are, is there any chance we get an X versus X league that is like across the country? Maybe that fans can attend, like a ticketed type of thing, you know, in the off season, perhaps. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that should be fun. And it is happening. That we're probably about six weeks away from launching our first couple of leagues. I am so excited about. And I've been working so hard on this but there's a whole nother story <laughs> there's a whole nother story on like you know it's a tech company and events company 
um, development, developers, designing, UX, UI, mm-hmm. sponsorship, PR, everything. It's just like I'm the CEO, um, raising money, you know, raise a couple of dollars for it, for the company. Now we're going out to our A round. Um, luckily, I have my son because my, my 20-year-old son is a computer science developer, and he's an investor. So he's been helping out a lot. Um, but we got a, it's a great group. LA Times invested in the company. Nice. Um, and the chairman of which uh, the, the website company invested in the company. Uh, it's been really hard because being like Meta World Peace, the defender, the flagrant fowler, you know, I don't get all the companies wanting to invest in me. So I got to actually, people think it's easy, but it's actually harder because we're trying to really build this into a real tech company. And but, we're not trying to give up power to anyone because we also want to show that minorities can run businesses from the hood. <laughs> and, and the Boost Mobile relationship was recent, right? I, I think Joe yeah. Joanne was telling me that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we recently had Boost Mobile sponsorship, which is really hard to get um, consistent sponsorship, you know, uh, and actually drive value to the sponsors. You know, how do you get sponsorship and, and add value? And I think our company does add value to the sponsors, and that's why you just probably see more. We had the Motorola partnership also, um, so it's been it's, it's been really cool um, just being able to to you know to stay in this lane and this lane is is, is a big lane. You see, um, probably one of the only minorities that's actually CEO leading a company like this. Um, but over time, just raised fifty million. Um, you see, Ball is Life doing it big. I love these companies, and you see like got companies like DraftKings. Everybody's in this sports. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm trying to, I really want to enter into this space and uh, get more professional athletes entering into this space. Uh, it's a big opportunity. Um, so, we're, But uh, I think recreational sports is a big future in recreational sports, and it's a big opportunity for, for recreational players to have a pro experience. So um, we're not moving as fast as we would like, but definitely come on to the app because the more people that come on, the better the better it does. Dope. And, and anyway, Knicks Fan TV can get involved and, and help, man. we definitely down to do that. But you people in the, in the chat heard them. Download the X versus X Sports app. Make sure you fill out your profile in full detail. And, you know, we're getting into the spring, summertime. The courts are opening back up. So get out there, fill out your profile, throw your stats in there, truthfully. Truthfully, throw you throw you yeah. your points in there. You know, don't, <laughs> no you know, shaving and no yeah, gassing. Yeah, I know no how gassing, you guys want no to gassing. do it. <laughs> and yeah, let, let's do it as a community, man. Because as you said, man, I think it is very important, especially for Black entrepreneurs entering the startup space. You know, we don't get access to a lot of capital, especially in in the fields that we over-index and that we make up. You know, the culture. And so I think that's very important. And as you said, a new lane for you, a new challenge for you, but something that you're doing with your son. So as a family, you know, building that up from a startup perspective. I think that's um I think that's dope, man. So I wish you a lot of luck on that. Absolutely, thank you, and thanks for having me. I really yeah. uh, always like to be a part of the uh, the Knicks family. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, last question for you. Uh, you know, based on your illustrious career, how do you want to be remembered? You know, for the kid that that jumps on YouTube and and Google's Meta World Peace or searches Meta World Peace, what, what do you? What's the impression that you want that kid to have? What's the legacy of Meta World Peace? I mean, for me, I'm fine with delete, you know, I'm fine with not being remembered, uh, but, you know, I add a lot of value and give a lot of, I'm doing a lot of different things now. Where I'm, I'm hoping that I'm planting seeds in different kids' uh, mind and things that we're doing, and, and, and that's it. I don't need any credit. I literally don't care um, about being remembered. Um, 
you know, uh, I care that my friends are not being locked up anymore um, for a weed. I'm still in prison, um, different things. A lot, of my, a lot of my friends are locked up. So um, that's what I really care about. Um, you know, uh, back in the days, you get locked up for weed, and then you, you miss two weeks of school, you're 16, you fall behind. How are you going to make it up if, if you don't have a tutor? Then you get left back. When you're uneducated, you're more likely to go to jail <clears throat> or enter a juvenile delinquent facility. So these are my friends. So I literally don't care if people remember me for playing defense or hitting a shot. Delete all that. Um, I really care that, you know, uh, our people in my, in my, in my hoods, um, all the future rappers and all that stuff, um, that they uh, have opportunity to raise a family. You know, and and uh, understand how to treat their partners and treat their you know their women, and also uh, understand how to raise their children uh, for them, not for me. So, literally, uh, I can give two rats butts when I'm not here. Uh, that's real, man. Very, very well said. Well, we, we definitely appreciate all the time, as we said. Continued success, and hopefully we can do this again, man. Meta World Peace. Ladies it's and gentlemen, happening. hit that thumbs up again for your squad, and throw a hashtag Meta World Peace in the chat. Meta, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Next TV. Thank you. Next fan TV. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.